Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Simple Truth Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about salvation. This is episode three, and we're staying on the basics right now. First episode, we were talking about the Word. Second episode, we talked about the Spirit. And so now, episode three, the right place to start, seems to talk about salvation. And if you're a Christian already, if you know Jesus, if you've heard all of the stories of the Bible, you might think, oh, I know about salvation. I know what this is. Like, I just have to ask Jesus into my heart, and then I'm saved. Um, Somewhat, but not truthfully, the whole story right there. And I think I grew up in the church, and I felt like I knew that I was saved, and I'm pretty sure I was the majority of my life. But as I opened the Word of God, and as I got to know the Word, got to know what it says for myself, not just taking other people's word for it, not just taking my pastor's word for it, Um, I got to see a lot of things that really opened my eyes to what salvation really is, what really happens. And so that's what I want to talk about today on the podcast is just the depths of salvation and what it really means for us to be saved, what it looks like to live that out, not just to receive it, but to live it, not just to receive it by faith, but to live by faith in the Son of God. So that's the purpose of today's podcast. That's where we're going to be diving into, talking about salvation, the salvation of our souls, the renewing of our spirits. So we'll get right into it. We're going to start today in John 3, not right at verse 16 yet, right? That's the the usual verse. And that's good because it's probably one of the best verses in the Bible to talk about salvation is John 3, 16. But we're going to start a little bit earlier in John 3, starting at verse 3. So John 3, 3. And we're going to talk about what Jesus is saying to Nicodemus here um, because it's so important to understand this. Because when you really understand what salvation is, what it does to you, what happens when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that should change things. That should really change things for you, right? In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says that if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So when we give our lives to Christ, when we become in Christ, when we become one with Christ, when the Holy Spirit comes to live within us, to seal us, to guarantee you that promise of salvation, that is a whole new thing. That's a, we are become a new creation. And that's what I want to talk about. This is what Jesus even says here in John 3, verse 3. So let's read it. So, Verse 3, Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is is spirit. So this is our introduction right here. We must be born again. Salvation and born again, I believe, are the same thing. You can use that synonymously. But I love the words that Jesus is use, Jesus uses here of being born again, because that's really what happens to us. And I think episode four, we're going to talk about the three different parts of who we are, body, soul, and spirit. But right here, we're going to really focus on our spirit, because each of us has a spirit. And we were each born with the Spirit. But the thing is now that after the fall of Adam, and we're going to talk about this 
And maybe we'll just start off with it. After the fall of Adam, after man sinned and fell away from true communion with God, his spirit died. And also he was cut off from living forever in the flesh. Right? When, when Adam fell, he disobeyed God, right? It was disobedience from God. The one rule that God gave Adam was to not eat from the tree in the center of garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But we know he was tempted by the devil, ate of the fruit, and now he was in a fallen state. He was ashamed of his nakedness. He fell away from God, and God had to cut him out of the garden. And it literally says in Genesis that he took him out of the garden because he did not want him to eat from the tree of life that would cause him to live forever. But the problem with that is that Adam would have lived forever in this fallen state. And so he would have just lived forever and ever in away from communion with God, away from relationship with God. And that's not how God created it to be. So he had to cut off humanity from the tree of life, from the Garden of Eden. And so now man has lived all the way up to this point out of the Garden of Eden, being born out of relationship with God, out of a spiritual life with God, and also still living in this body where this flesh will pass away. It will die, right? Our flesh doesn't last forever. In the word, it's sometimes called a tent. It's a temporary dwelling because we're going to go on to live somewhere for the rest of our lives because our life doesn't end here on earth. It goes on in one of two places, heaven or hell. And so today... We want to talk about the way to be born again so that we can go to heaven, so that we can enjoy that relationship, that communion with God as it was created in the beginning for the rest of eternity. And that's, that's amazing. That's the greatest gift. That's, the, that's everything. That's life itself. Communion with God, relationship with Him, becoming one with Him, living with Him is life so yeah that's i don't know where to go from here but we're just going to keep going that's being born again and it's of the spirit right jesus says here that nicodemus gets confused right he says how can i go back into my mother's womb like this is going to be an issue at this point his his mother's probably passed away like this isn't going to work out jesus like i can't be born again but jesus Jesus is coming back to the spirit. And that's why we need to focus on the spirit here in this episode. He says, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus says two things here. You have to be born of the water and born of the spirit. Now, when Jesus talks about water, I believe he's talking about repentance and that repentance turning to baptism, right? At this time, even, um, In Acts 2, when Peter first preaches, what does he say to the people? He says this, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you, to your children, and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So Peter, when he preaches the gospel for the first time, when it's heard for the first time by Peter, He says, you must repent and be baptized. So I believe that's what the water is. It's a sign of repentance. It's being baptized. It's dying with Christ and rising with him. That's what baptism symbolizes. But it's also a a real spiritual thing, I believe. 
And because of our being born of water, or born, born of repentance, repenting and turning away from our old selves, identifying ourselves with Christ, dying to our old man, coming to new life, becoming a new creature, creature, we receive being born in the spirit as well. Our spirit comes back to life. And that's the focus of today is realizing this difference that has to happen in us, this change, this new creation that happens when we believe by faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Our spirit comes alive. It had died when Adam disobeyed God. His, he was no longer allowed to live forever. He now had the knowledge of good and evil, but he was also then free to do evil and to be ashamed of his nakedness, to be ashamed of his sin. And so now we are living in this place where every person is now born of the flesh, right? You don't come into the world except for your mother and your father coming together and by the flesh, making more flesh. But there's a new thing that has to happen. You must be born again. You must be born of the spirit. And that's what Jesus is trying to show to Nicodemus here. Nicodemus was possibly one of the most learned and highly educated people of this time when it came to religion, when it came to the Jewish thought of how they lived, how they um yeah, carried out their religion, but he still couldn't understand. He didn't have a knowledge of the spiritual things. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit to teach us these things. And we need to be born again of the Spirit. Because if we don't have the Spirit of God living within us, if we're not born again of the Spirit, spiritual things are just hard to comprehend. There's many people who aren't born again, who have an interest in spiritual things, who um, live in spiritual ways, but maybe it's witchcraft, maybe it's just new age stuff, but they haven't had their spirit born again to come to the real and true knowledge of the real and true spiritual life that Jesus has came and given us through his death and resurrection on the cross. Okay, so that which is born of the flesh is flesh. We're all born into our flesh, but we're not born right away into our spirit. Even if our mother and our father are Christians and they are born of the spirit, that doesn't make you born of the Spirit. You have to have that moment where you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. And when that happens, your spirit is born again. The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you. He's our guarantee, our seal of promise. He's much more than that, but that's initially what he does. He comes within, makes our spirit born again, alive to Christ and dead to sin. We're going to talk about that as well. So now let's go to... Verse 16, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. For God not, did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So Jesus goes on to say, God loved the world so much he gave his only son that whoever believes in him. And I want to talk about this word believing because it's easy to say, I believe in Jesus. It's easy to say it just out of your mouth. But in a different way, it's 
harder or it's more of a reality to have to live by that faith because we often associate believing with faith and that's correct. Um, but I love how the Amplified Bible puts it because it adds on to that. It expounds on what that believing means. And it says, so that whoever believes in, trusts in, clings to, and relies on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And so this believing in Jesus, a lot of people will put it as a one-time thing. Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's real. Well, that's great. So do the demons believe that and they shudder in fear. And so how much more should we also, right? But I believe there's an active believing. Those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ should also live by that same faith. If you don't live by that faith, that same faith in Jesus, then it in a way shows that you really haven't really trusted in, relied on, or clung to Jesus as Lord and Savior. Because if you really do, then you're going to live by that faith. That's going to create a new birth within you, a new spiritual awakening to righteousness, to joy, to peace, to all the things that the Holy Spirit gives us here and now in this life. And so that's the reality. That's what the Word of God says. That's what the Word of God says. And so if you've grown up in a church where a lot of this hasn't been talked about or you kind of always saw it as, oh, well, I just say I believe in Jesus and then I get my free punch card ticket to heaven so I get to ride the train of glory. Uh, it's more than that. And I had to realize that too. I had to come to that realization. I grew up thinking that I just had to go to church every Sunday and I believed in Jesus and I believe I received him as my savior. But all I saw it as was my free ticket to heaven, my ticket to ride so I didn't have to go to hell. And then we just kind of live as good of a life as you can until then. And when Jesus comes or when you die, you can go to heaven. But there's so much more in the word of God. All of that is true, but there's so much more. There's so much more to do in this life. There's so much more to be, to experience, to know in this life. God's not waiting. He doesn't want to wait. How much you got to know the heart of, of God. It was not to have men separated from him. That was never his plan. But he already knew that that was going to happen, but he already gave his son. It says that Jesus Christ was foreordained before the foundation of the world to come and to die for us so that we could have that true relationship with him. So that those who would put their faith in Christ, not everybody puts their faith in Christ. That's the reality. Not everybody is saved. It's a choice you have to make. You have to humble yourself before the Lord and say, I'm giving up my own ways. I'm giving up my own thoughts. You even have to give up your own understanding and knowledge of some of this reality and say, I'm putting my faith, I'm putting my trust in God. I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ that he has died for my sin on that cross, that I'm free from sin, that I'm no longer a slave to it, but I'm a child of God. I've received the adoption as a son and a daughter to live as a king, as a queen on this earth, that I might bring Christ to more people that they might be saved and experience this true life, life and life to the full. That's the gospel. So this is the story. This is the, this is the meaning, right? And I love how Jesus um, talks about this in verse 20 and 21. He says, everyone who practices evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. So everybody in them has a knowledge that what they do or what they're doing is either right or wrong. But those who will acknowledge what they're doing is wrong will come to Christ, will come to God. They'll seek out that answer. 
but those who love evil, who practice that evil, they, they walk away from the light. They don't truly come to the light. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds might be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. So even those who recognize that they've received salvation from Jesus, they recognize that everything good that they now do is done in God. All right, so we're going to move on to our next verse here. Let's go to Ephesians. Ephesians 2. We're going to read 1 through 10. Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10. This is a very popular passage as well. But we're going to look at it. See what it has to say to us. He says, You he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up together, and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ, for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. All right, this is a great passage, and it, it starts to talk about some things that people get confused or they argue about, but really it's just plain and simple and clear here, right? It's the simple truth of the word of God. Uh, I flipped the wrong way, here we go. You he made alive, right? That's that being born of the Spirit. You were once dead in trespasses and sin. We're born into sin. We're born a sinner. But when we become one with Jesus, when we're made alive in Christ, when we are born again of the Spirit, we become a saint. We're no longer that sinner. We no longer have to be defined or practice that sin like we used to. We're now a new creation. See, the next verse even says, You were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we also once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just as the others. So Paul is making it clear here, Christ has made you alive, and these are the things you once used to do. This is the what you used to be defined as. You used to be a part of the world who gave into the lusts of the flesh, the thoughts of the mind. And you were by nature, by just who, by the flesh, children of wrath. But God, but God, right? That's a great saying. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love. While we were yet dead, he made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up together. He made us to sit together with Christ. So when we rise in a way, when we rise from the dead, when we give our life to Christ, when we become alive, we're no longer in that natural state. It says we are risen together. We are raised up together and made to sit together 
with Christ in heavenly places. We're no longer a part of this world. And that's the distinction that Paul is making here. He's saying when, when you once walked according to the flesh, when you once w- walked according to the lust, the desires of this world, you were a part of this world. But now as you believe in Christ, as your spirit's made alive, you're no longer a part of this world. You are now seated in heaven. You're a child of God. Though we are still in this world, you're no longer of this world. You're no longer of the same spirit of this world. You're no longer under the same power, the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, right? There's a spiritual realm out there. There's a spiritual reality, but we're no longer a part of the one of this world. Now we're a part of the kingdom of God. We have the spirit of God living within us. So we've been raised up together. We're seated with him that in the ages to come, that in all time we might know we might, he might show himself the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us. That's the grace of God. The grace of God is though we did not deserve it, though, though we were still sinners, though we were dead in our trespasses, he still chose to give his son, even knowing that many wouldn't believe, but he knew that some would. And he saw us as so valuable. His, his grace, his loving kindness, his favor toward us was so great that he gave his son. His kindness toward us in Christ. By grace we have been saved. It's by that grace, by that fact, by that gift of God we have been saved. But it's through our faith. So often it's, well, it's by grace we've been saved. Yes, but it's also through faith. It's through believing in Christ, clinging to him, relying on him, trusting in him for your salvation. So it's by grace, but it's through faith that we receive this new life. It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God for all humanity. He didn't pick and choose who he was going to give it to. God is sovereign, but he's also given us the choice. We have a will. We have the choice to accept Jesus, to have that faith. Not everybody has faith in Christ, but some will receive him. And so that's why Jesus, or that's why God gave the gift. It's not of works, right? Sometimes people get caught up in this works. And Paul had to emphasize this so much because that's what the the Jewish people were used to. They were used to working out by the law, being righteous. But God went away with that because the law, all it brought was sin and death because nobody could live up to it, right? And that was actually the purpose of the law was to show people their sin and their need for God. But they instead wanted to work it out in their own flesh, in their own righteousness. But now we have the ability and the right and the call to receive righteousness from Jesus by faith. And because of that, we can do good works, right? We can do the good things that he's predestined for us. We were created in Christ for good works, which God already prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So when we receive Jesus, we're not saved by our works, but when we receive the new life and the spirit come to live within us, we should be now doing the works that God created us beforehand to do. Praise the Lord. All right. So let's keep going. Let's go on to Let's go on to 1 John 2. 1 John 2. One through eleven. Hmm. There's so much scripture to go through. I like these podcasts to only be about half an hour long, but we'll see what happens. All right. My little children, these things I write to you, 
so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Brethren, I, know, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you. Because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So there's a few things I want to talk about now in relation to salvation, right? We talked about through John, like what salvation actually is, what happens on our spirit. We come alive to Christ. We die to sin. We are, our, our spirits are reborn to new life. But now I want to talk about the fruit of new life or what the born again life should look like because a lot of times that's a little misunderstood and confused in religious circles as well but the word clearly says what does the word say john is writing here he says and he writes much more about this in his letters but he says if anyone sins oh he says i first he says these things i write to you so that you may not sin right and too often i think we identify ourselves as sinners post salvation when christ came to die for us he put sin and death to death on the cross and then he raised to life that we might also raise to life with him and this new life that we've been raised to isn't to go on to keep sinning otherwise christ died for no purpose right it's not just to punch our ticket to heaven we are called called to be holy just as he is holy so an, an evidence of this is the, the desire, the purposing in your heart, and the sanctification of your soul to no longer walk in sin. I write to you so that you may not sin. If you do sin, we have an advocate. We have Jesus Christ. So it's not saying that when you become born again, there's no way that you're ever going to sin again. No, this, this is a still an active thing. Just as we talked about faith being active, just as we receive Christ by faith, now we actually have to live by that faith. We have to continue to believe, continue to trust, continue to rely on him and cling to him. We must abide in him. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But that's their purpose. We have to stay in that faith. We have to stay in that purpose, that pursuit of holiness. That's a standard holiness and righteousness it's talked about all throughout the new testament yet it doesn't get talked about very much in church but it's the standard that we've been called to and it's so much better than just being okay with your sin and being called calling yourself a sinner you were once a sinner now you are alive to christ forevermore it's it's i honestly think it's a slap in the face in the face of jesus to call yourself a sinner once you've been saved Jesus' blood, the precious blood, worth more than silver and gold, was paid for you, was given for you on that cross. You did not deserve it. But yet, the most precious thing was ever, that ever could be given was given to you. 
and to disregard that by saying I'm still a sinner, I still do this, I still struggle all the time, that's that's not the life that Christ has called us to. And if you've just awakened to that, don't let it offend you. Don't let it harden your heart, but be softened to the word of God because this is something I had to realize too. It's not like I just got saved and I was perfect right away either, but it comes through this word by the Holy Spirit teaching and leading, but you have to be diligent. You have to be walking in faith and saying, Lord, I don't care what I grew up learning. I don't care what I grew up knowing. Your word is truth, so let it teach me truth. I'm not going to make excuses for it. I'm not going to make explanations away for it, but I'm going to take your word at truth. I'm going to take it as face value. That's what we're trying to do here, and we're just going to walk in it. We're going to do as much as we can. We're going to will and purpose that this is what we're going to do. We're going to live this word out. So what does it say? I write to you that you may not sin. If anyone sins, we do have an advocate. You have you can believe and confess. You confess your sins to him and he's faithful and just to take him away. He's the propitiation for our sins. He's the cost. He's the gift. He's the sacrifice for our sins. Not for only for ours, but for the whole world. We just talked about this. This is the verse that confirms it. Jesus didn't die for the sins of a select few people. The whole sin of the whole world says right here, not for ours only, but for the whole world. The whole world's sin was put on him. Jesus Christ's death had enough power, had enough authority, had enough saving blood shed that the whole world could be saved if they would all have faith in him. That's the reality. Everybody could be saved. Jesus died for the sin of the whole world, yet it's still up to us that by our faith we would put our trust in him, believe in him, believe in the Son of God, confess him as Lord and Savior. And we know him by, we, we keep his commandments. Do we, do we have this desire within us to keep his commandments? And then also at the end of this passage, it talks about love, right? That's the overall theme of, of the word is love. God loving man and correcting him back to that point of love, of wanting to give everything he can so that we can have a relationship with him. We can commune with him. We can know him truly. We can walk with him. But it's also saying that that new birth within us it's going to cause us to want to walk away from sin to put those things to death to cause us to rely on the spirit to put those things to death but also to walk in love to love others to sacrifice our own self our own pride our own life so that others might know christ all right so that's the first part now let's go to 2 verse 28 and it says here 1 John 2, verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him. This is where the power comes to live that sin-free life. You must abide in him. It's not just a one-time receive him. Once you've received him, there's so much to walk into with him, to abide in with him. There's so much to learn. There's so much to grow into. A lot of times, Paul would um, talk about different stages of maturity in Christianity. That as we are born, we're born babies in the spirit, right? You might be 12 years old. You might be 80 years old when you receive Christ. But when you receive Christ, you are automatically just a baby in the spirit. You're a baby Christian. You're a baby believer. But there's things to mature into. There's things to grow into. To know the knowledge of the word. The relationship with the spirit. The love of God. To grow in those things. To mature. To grow into adults. So that we can 
not only just be babies and take from others who have learned, but to ourselves grow up and be able to, in a way, birth new Christians. It sounds weird. That's why I didn't want to say it. But in a way, to birth new Christians and to bring them to maturity. That's discipleship, right? Anyway, abide in him. That when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed. We shouldn't be ashamed of the name of Christ. We shouldn't be ashamed of our lives here on earth. We should, once we've given our life to Christ, put the things that are fleshly in us to death by prayer, by fasting, by the word, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Put those things to death and get rid of our shame, get rid of our sin so that we can walk in righteousness, we can walk in peace and joy. A lot of people were wondering why don't many Christians have peace or joy and it really doesn't look like that great of a life because they haven't learned to live and abide with Christ. They haven't learned to give up their sin and to walk in a shameless, full of life kind of life. It's available to us. It's in the word. It's, it's there to receive. But we have to walk it out. We have to put the work in. We have to be willing to give up things of this earth, things of the world, things of our flesh, to dive into the things of the spirit and to receive this new life, to walk into it, to mature in it. So that we cannot, should not be ashamed before his coming. And if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So you can tell who's been born of God because they practice righteousness. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us because it did not know him. Now we are children of God and it has not been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him. Because our spirits have been reborn, we will be like Christ when he appears. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, right? Whoever is still living in the act of sin proves that they haven't really seen him. They haven't really known him, the true purpose. They may have believed, but to really see him and to really know him is to not know sin any longer. And I just want to stop there. There's so much more that I want to go through. But I just want to speak to you if you're feeling that weight of, I've known this is the truth. I've known that this is the word of God, that I'm not supposed to sin anymore, right? That's just what even if the Holy Spirit has come, he comes to convict us of sin. So if we're walking in sin, most likely we're going to have conviction there. And it is possible to push that conviction away and push it away, but eventually it's going to keep coming back. If you're born again, the Holy Spirit's in there. No matter if you haven't lived sin free or if you haven't put pressed into these things there's still that longing that desire to be free from sin free from addiction free from all these things and that desire is good that's from the holy spirit but the thing is he wants to help you walk out of those things and so what what you started in the spirit when you believed in christ and you gave your life to him when you started in the spirit in that way when your spirit was reborn don't try to finish that work in the flesh don't try to finish that work by your own strength we have to learn to abide in him. We have to learn to come into his strength, into unity with his spirit, 
so that we can become one with him. It's an inside-out transformation. It's not an outside-in. It's not, okay, I've believed in the innermost being of my heart. My spirit's been reborn. I've been born again, but now I'm going to try to fix it from the outside-in. No, that's the deepest part of who you are, is your spirit, right? It's something that can't be seen, can't be experienced in this natural, fleshly life, but it's there. It's who you are at the heart of the core of who you are. And so it needs to come from the inside out. So you have to continue to do spiritual things to bring spiritual life. You can't do it just by the natural things. Eventually it will manifest through the natural, but it's, it's that maturing. It's that growing in the spirit, growing in relationship with the spirit. Maybe it's today or just repenting to the Holy Spirit saying, I've abandoned my relationship with you. I didn't even know I could have a relationship with you. I ask you today, Holy Spirit, come and awaken me to your presence. Come and awaken me to the power that you've come to free me from my sin. That I might have the same life, that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me. So just surrender and, and submit to him. Maybe that's the next step today. But whatever it is, don't feel, don't get condemned. Condemnation is not from the Lord. Conviction is. He's a good shepherd. He says that he disciplines those he loves. So be zealous and repent. Once the truth of God is given to you, you have a response. And oftentimes, I love to go back to this verse, when the truth of God is spoken, when it hits your heart, you have two responses. You can either harden your heart and say, no, that's not true. That's not what I've learned. That's not what I know. Or you can shut that voice up and you can say, okay, Lord, I heard your word and I submit to it. I give up my own strength. Holy Spirit, I ask you to come do a new work in me. Come and teach me. Come and guide me. Come and lead me. And maybe it's something where you're still struggling with, like, I don't know everything that was said. Like, whenever you experience that feeling of, of, of honestly, like, rejection towards the word, that'll happen. Somebody will preach something or the word will go forth and you'll just like, ah, I'm not sure about that. Like, that don't sound right. Like, that's not how I've lived. That's not how I learned before in my tradition and the religion or in the denomination I grew up in. But you have to be able to take the word at its face value. You have to be able to take that and apply it to your life. No matter what your mind wants to say about it, no matter what your flesh wants to do, you have to say, no, shut up, mind, resist. I'm going to resist my temptation to just harden my heart against this. And you have to say, Holy Spirit, come and teach me. If this is true, maybe what was said today was had even a hard time hitting you, had a hard time receiving it. But all you need to do is just maybe listen again and go to the scriptures that we talked about today and just read through it one-on-one, -on -one, you and the Holy Spirit, and see what the Holy Spirit says to you because he'll say the same thing. He'll teach the word of Christ. He is the spirit of truth. Just ask him, say, Holy Spirit, I ask you today, right now, to teach me your word. I'm not going to hold my own opinion. I'm not going to hold my own denominational agreement, confession, whatever it is. I'm going to... Let the word of God, by the power of your spirit, speak to me today and transform me into the image of Christ more and more. He must become more and more and we must become less and less. And we do that by the intaking of the word, by the teaching of the spirit of truth, and by opening ourselves up to a relationship with him. When we close ourselves off like that, it's, it's very hard to abide, to stay in his presence. And it's a learning process. It does take time, but we have to commit ourselves to it. We must stay in that faith, in the believing, in the trusting, the relying, and the clinging to Christ.
He is the only way. He's the only truth. He's the only life. And so that's what's offered today. So that's where we're going to end for today. I had more to talk about, but I feel to just end it there. Because there's so much. There's so much to be receptive to from the word of God, from what we already talked about. And so I'm just going to go through a few more announcements. This was episode three. The next episode, we're going to talk more about body, soul, and spirit. That's going to be episode four. If you would like to give to the podcast, if this has impacted you in any way, or if you want to support this, I would love to be able to spend more time, more energy into the podcast so that I could put out more episodes more quickly. And so if that's something you want to support, then you can go to the website, anchor.fm slash simple truth podcast. There's a link to my website there. Um, wherever you're watching, there should be some kind of a link to get to the website or get to the anchor.fm. You can give on both of those sites. Um, there's information there. So if you want to give, you can find it there. We're going to do a teaching on giving sometime because that's part of the word that's in the word. So we're going to talk about that. Otherwise, I don't think I have any further announcements. Thank you guys for listening or watching today.